Good morning. Good morning. Warm welcome to you all. We'd particularly like to uh, welcome our own Minister Carrant, who will lead this <laughs> baptismal service. And we'd like to welcome Lucia, uh, who comes to be baptised, her parents, Laura and Philip, and big brother Ethan. We welcome you all, all your family and friends. One or two messages this morning. The first one, um, Jean and Catherine would like to thank everyone for their prayers over the last few weeks when things have been a little bit difficult. So we'd like to, to thank you all. Um, the Messenger, which is um, a publication from Christchurch, Longridge, there are one or two in the foyer if anybody would like to take one. Um, Christ Church has become our sister church, so it's now time to start uh, thinking in the, along those lines. There's also some celebrations this week. Um, we'd like to uh, wish Hazel Sumner a happy birthday for today. And we'd also think of Nick, who has reached a big positive number of... <laughs> on Tuesday <laughs> so we're going to uh, sing happy birthday to As Peter, James and John caught a glimpse of your radiance on the mountaintop, as revealed in Christ, so may we today see your glory more clearly, your light shining in our hearts, firing our imagination, filling us with joy and fanning the flames of faith. Help us, confronted by the mystery and wonder of your presence, to recognise that however much we have understood you have far more to reveal. Our grasp of your greatness and experience of your love still partial, needing always to be open to new horizons. Speak then and open our eyes this day as we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll hand you over now to our Minister Karen. Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to see you all this morning. And we might even get a little bit of lightness, which will be great. Come if your hearts are full of hope and know God's affirming love. Come if your hearts are full of tears and be touched by God's healing love. Come whether it's your first or your hundredth time and be filled to overflowing with God's generous love. Come and see God's glory. Amen. Amen. 
Now, our first two hymns have been chosen by Laura and Philip, and the first one is Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. If if you're following in your books, it's number 20, but everything will be on the screen. to the baptism of Lucia. Thank you, Georgia. For those at the back who can't see her, there you are. (laughs) She's even pointing to herself. (laughs) Thank you, Georgia. On to the next one. Sisters and brothers, baptism is a gift of God. It declares to each of us the love and grace of God. In this sacrament, we celebrate the life of Christ laid down for us, the Holy Spirit poured out on us, and the living water offered to us. God offers us new life in Jesus Christ, 
planting us into the Church of Christ and sustaining and strengthening us through the power of the Spirit. Although we don't deserve these gifts of grace or fully understand them, God offers them to all and through Christ invites us to respond. And I should have said this at the beginning, and I'm really sorry, but we are in an act of worship, so please refrain from taking any photographs, but there will be an opportunity at the end of the service to recreate and take photos um, at the end. So could I ask Philip and Laura to stand? You've got your sheet. Laura and Philip, having heard these things, how do you respond to the offer of God's grace? Okay, right, Ethan, would you like to come up with your mum and dad? And the godparents? Right, if you come and stand around here. Okay. That's it, come over here. Now, if you're ready to help me with the water, we'll put that there just for the minute. Right. I'm going to pour this together into the font. All right? You hold the handle. Right, here we go. Right. We could have done with a little step for you, couldn't we? <laughs> right, here we go. I'll say stop when we're ready. And stop. Lovely, thank you. You can hold that until we're ready for it, okay? Wonderful. Could we all stand if we're able? Thank you. Gracious God, we thank you for your gifts of water and the Holy Spirit for your sustaining, cleansing, and life-giving power. From the beginning, your grace has been made known through water and the Spirit. Your Spirit moved over the waters at creation. You led your people to freedom through a parted sea. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus. He was baptized in the waters of the Jordan and anointed with the Holy Spirit. He passed through the deep waters of death and lives forevermore. He offers living water and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit that the one to be baptised in this water may die to sin, be raised with Christ, and be born to new life in the family of your church. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Philip and Laura, do you turn away from evil and all that denies God? Do you turn to God trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour and in the Holy Spirit as helper and guide? And now to the congregation, we're going to declare our faith as we say together, We believe in God the Father who made the world. We believe in Jesus Christ, his Son, who redeemed humankind. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God. 
Um, I think you could sit down at this moment so that everybody could see. And if there's any children who want to come and look and gather at the front, please feel free to do so if you want to have a better view. Now, I could do with an assistant here. Um, Have I got a steward to come and just hold my book for me? (laughs) I should have prepped you beforehand. Thank you. I haven't quite learnt to be in two places at once, nor to hold several things at once. Right. Hello. There, look. There's Mummy and Daddy. What name have you given this child? Lucia Ann. For you, Jesus Christ came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered death on the cross. And for you, he triumphed over death, rising to newness of life. For you, he prays at God's right hand. All of this for you before you could know anything of it. Now, this is your special job now, Ethan. We need to put this to protect her very pretty dress. <laughs> Do you think we're ready for this? Ready to have a little bit of water on your head? Lucia Ann, I baptize you in the name of the <laughs> Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What a good girl you are. sign you with the cross, the sign of Christ. Okay, Morris, thank you. Lucia Ann. Lucia Ann, receive this light, for you belong to Christ, the light of the world. <laughs> Christ is your light and way. Now, I'm going to bring Lucia down through the congregation for you all to see her while you bless her. As you say together, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with kindness and give you peace. Amen. Shall we give her another clap? Shall we give Ethan a clap for the good job he's done? Thank you. There we go. Thank you very much. Philip and Laura, I ask you now to respond to God's love and grace to your child by making these promises. Will you love this your child?
committing yourselves to care for her in body, mind and spirit. Will you therefore ensure that she's nurtured in the faith and life of the Christian community? Will you set before her a Christian example that through your prayers, words and deeds she may learn the way of Christ? God parents, your starring role now. Will you, as far as you are able, help Laura and Philip to nurture Lucia in the Christian faith? Please stand, everyone, if you're able. (coughs) Members of the body of Christ, we rejoice that Lucia's been baptised. Will you so maintain the church's life of worship and service that she may grow in grace and in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord? With God's help, we Let us pray together. Generous God. Touch us again with the fire of your spirit, and renew in us all the grace of our baptism, that we may profess the one true faith, and live in love and unity with all who are baptized into Christ. Amen. And now we're going to sing, Lord, the light of your love is shining.
take up the offering for the work of God in this church and the maintenance of the building. And after which, um, the children can go out to Curios. Um, If any of the parents want to take their child out and join in the activities, or if you feel they're happy enough to go by themselves, then please feel free to join the children going with Morris next door. Thank you. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for these gifts and those paid directly into the bank. May they be a blessing to this church and to the community and to further your work. And Lord, we pray a special blessing on all the children associated with this church, those that go to Cuerden School, to Messy Church, to Lighthouse and all the other activities. We pray that they may grow in knowledge and love of you. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. And if any children want to follow and go that way. in a prayer of confession together if you would respond with the words in yellow bold print let us pray Lord Jesus when your love is too much for us and we turn away help us forgive us when fear not faith fills our hearts help us when we miss the glimpse of your glory and the blessings they would bring When we're mistrustful of mystery and want only absolutes, help and forgive us. Forgiven and loved, may we serve you with confidence and journey in hope. Amen. 
In just a moment, we're going to hear our gospel reading, and I'm just going to introduce you to a little of it. Peter's confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus has told his disciples that he will suffer, die, and be raised to life. Jesus rebuked Peter for saying that this must not happen, and he warned of the hardship ahead. Six days later, Jesus is preparing to make a journey up the mountain with three of his disciples. Imagine that you are one of those disciples chosen to go with him. Imagine that the reading you will hear says Jesus took with him Peter, James and John and you and led you up a high mountain. You're going up a mountain. It will be a long and steep journey and cold at the top. What will you take with you? What will you wear? Jesus has been telling you how difficult it will be to follow him. Now he's suggesting you climb a mountain. Is he trying to tell you something? What might that be? And why has he chosen you? What new things might you see or learn? There's always something new and surprising with Jesus. But there's nothing much up there on the mountain. I wonder what's going to happen. The, the Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. And the title is The Transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and the brothers James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. As they looked on, a change came over him. His face became as bright as the sun and his clothes as white as light. Then the three disciples saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So Peter spoke up and said to Jesus, Lord, it is a good thing that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was talking, a shining cloud came over them, and a voice said from the cloud, This is my own dear son, with, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard the voice, they were so terrified that they threw themselves face down to the ground. Jesus came to them and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. So they looked up and saw no one else except Jesus. As they came down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Don't tell anyone about this vision you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from death. I'm going to introduce you to someone we know as Graham. 
but today he's going to be known as Peter. And he's reflecting on what's just happened. As we came down from the mountain, James, John and I were still shaking. I was so confused and trembling so much that I kept stumbling and John would reach out a hand to steady me. Jesus had told us not to say anything to anyone else about it, not to the rest of the twelve, not to anyone, until after he was raised from the dead. But we couldn't help discussing it between ourselves, James, John and I. What on earth did he mean? He'd been saying some strange things recently. In a way, it was easier to accept what he did rather than what he said. I mean, the healings, casting out demons, making people well and whole. Who could disagree with that? The crowds loved him. They followed us everywhere. It was difficult to get away from them. If he wanted to spend time with us alone, the twelve... He had to take us away to a mountaintop or some out-of-the-way place. But even then, sometimes they'd run ahead of us. And if Jesus wanted to be by himself, he'd have to rise so long before dawn, sometimes we'd wake and find him gone. He was doing so much good. The people said he must be a prophet. John the Baptist or Elijah... The one who was to herald the coming of the kingdom. What we'd been waiting for for so long. But I'd seen this man. We'd spent so much time with him as twelve and especially James, John and I. We'd seen him close up. Watched his every move. Shared every meal. Seen him tired and weary. Yet still willing to heal those who pressed after him in the crowd those who begged him to come and heal their son or their daughter. Over the weeks and months, it dawned on me, he wasn't the forerunner of the one who was to come. He was the one, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So, when he surprised me by asking me directly, I blurted it out. I told him he was the Christ. He seemed pleased. But then he did something odd. He told us not to tell anyone else. And then he started saying the weird stuff. That he would suffer at the hands of men. That he would be rejected by the religious authorities. That he would be killed and on the third day raised to life. And that some of us would see the kingdom of God in our lifetimes. We didn't understand what he meant. Wasn't the Christ, the Messiah, meant to rule in glory? to overcome those who hated us, to help us throw off the oppressors. How could he die then? Wouldn't that be the ultimate failure? How could he bring in the kingdom of God if he wasn't going to be around for much longer? He probably saw us whispering amongst ourselves, trying to work out what it all meant. Maybe that's why the following week he took James, John and I up the mountain to pray. We rose long before dawn, while it was still dark, to make sure that we would be alone and not disturbed. We were all quite tired, 
Maybe I was a bit sleepy, but I tried to focus my mind on prayer. At first I thought I must have drifted off again. Why did I keep doing that? Why couldn't I keep awake for five minutes? I saw Jesus. I knew it was him, but he looked different. His face, a ball of white light, his clothes so dazzlingly white that it hurt my eyes to look at them, and I shielded them with my arm. Dreams can seem so real sometimes. Then I saw the other figures, two of them, and they were talking to him. It seemed strange, but I knew straight away who they were, Moses and Elijah. They were all in white too, all three of them enveloped in this amazing light, brighter than the sun. They were talking with Jesus like they knew him already, like it was something they did every day. But it was more than that. Jesus was at the centre of the three. He was the greatest of them. I thought a lot about that later. Imagine it, the Jesus we'd walked with, eaten with, spent so much time with, greater than the greatest of our prophets. And suddenly I realised I wasn't dreaming, that this was real. It felt like somehow I'd slipped into another world and I was terrified. Typically for me, I started babbling, blurting out anything that came into my head, trying to make the situation seem normal. Some sense, some nonsense about building shelters for them, James told me afterwards. Then it got scarier. We were caught up in the cloud, James and John and I. My heart was pounding so hard in my chest, I thought I was going to burst and I was quaking all over. If I was going to die, to be struck down because I was unworthy to be in the presence of God himself, I wanted it to happen quickly and painlessly. Instead, we heard a voice. It seemed all around us, loud and booming, yet it also spoke quietly as a whisper in our ears. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. I fell at Jesus' feet and when I got up, the cloud had gone and we were all alone with him. He didn't give us any explanation. He just told us not to say anything to the others, to anyone, until he was raised from the dead. We didn't understand what he meant then. It only made sense a long time afterwards. James, John and I didn't talk about, much, about it much amongst ourselves. I think we were all trying to work out what it meant. But we couldn't quite get there. I only knew that I had my confirmation. This man, Jesus, my friend and teacher, he was the Christ, the Son of God. He'd come at last. Thank you, Graham. Let's pray. Living God, when your majesty is beyond words, receive our awe. When your glory is beyond our imagining, receive our wonder. When your power makes us afraid, bless us with understanding. 
when your acceptance is beyond our believing, bless us with faith. And at all times, through the highs and lows of life, speak to us and hear us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a hymn now, Transfigured Christ. Um, It is new, the words, um, but hopefully Ron has found us a tune that we will know. Thank you, Ron. We stand as we're able.
For a couple of days last week, I was on retreat in the Lake District, and I want to say in Grasmere, but you all say Grasmere. <laughs> One of the things I always do when I get to my room that I've been allocated is always go and look out the window. And I had a lovely view looking out towards the mountains in the distance and a closer view of the other block of rooms, as well as the grassy fields leading towards the mountains. And I glimpsed a pond with two ducks on it near the other residential block and thought, oh, that'll be good to have a little gander around later. Well, later on, I went out to investigate. I couldn't find the pond and thought, well, it must be higher up than I'd realised. And it became a real puzzle when I went back to my room, looked out and saw where it should be. Interestingly, the ducks hadn't moved, and that should have given me a clue. (laughs) I went outside again and discovered there was no pond, there was no ducks. What I'd seen from the angle of my room was the side of another building, a light grey wall with two security cameras on it. (laughs) No wonder the ducks didn't move. It was a distance away, I will hasten to add. Sometimes glimpses of things are not the full story. After all, a glimpse is only a momentary or a partial view of something. Have a look at these images and see if you can guess what they are. Please feel free to shout out. It's the only time I'll let you. It's an apple stalk. Well done. Okay. The next one, don't say anything. Count to three so other people have a chance to think. And then tell me now. It's a, a muffin case with a muffin in it. Well done. Next one. Oh, you're just too good at this. I thought I'd got some really hard ones. And the next one? Ah. Oh, I heard it. A poached egg. A glimpse, you see, doesn't reveal all. And the next one, please. Yeah, you're on the right lines. It's a cricket ball. And the last one? Cheese. Cheese. Emmental. Well done. Now, ultra-deep field images taken with a Hubble telescope show a tiny section of a distant part of the sky that from Earth looks relatively empty. However, thank you, Georgia... If you enlarge the images, you discover hundreds, even thousands, the next image please, thank you, of whole galaxies billions of miles away. It's a wonderful sight, a tiny glimpse of the amazing universe that we're part of, and a reminder that there's so much more than we can ever imagine. And the next one please. We have an artist's impression of the transfiguration, what happened on the mountaintop. In Matthew's Gospel, we have Jesus appearing in dazzling glory because brilliant light is a sign of God's presence. In him, the barrier between heaven and earth is broken down and Jesus' shining face confirms Peter's statement that he is the Messiah. 
God's voice sums up the two strands, affirming Jesus as his beloved son and as his chosen agent, the Messiah. The disciples need to listen to him rather than following their own agenda, to accept that Jesus knows what he's talking about, even when he speaks of the cross. Jesus' actions, too, emphasise the need to balance glory and compassion. When the disciples fall down in terror, Jesus, glorious as he is, responds immediately with touch and comfort, characteristic of God's Messiah. So at the heart of today's transfiguration narrative is a moment where God speaks of his love for his son and tells the disciples to listen listen to him. For the disciples, the voice of God is terrifying. But Jesus' touch and words of comfort brings them reassurance and reduces their fear. I wonder, have you noticed something about this reading? Everyone involved had to make a conscious decision to climb the mountain. When Steve and I were skiing a few years ago, we made decisions about when we would go up the mountain. We looked at the weather forecast for the day, looked at the weather outside, and then decided whether to venture up the mountain by chairlift or cable car. In times gone by, the walk up the mountain on rough ground would have taken hours. There would also have been a big drop in temperature the higher they went. We don't know what Jesus told them about the reason for the trip, but obviously, after what they experienced, the hard climb up had been forgotten. People all talk about mountaintop experiences, and these can be all sorts of occasions, usually associated with a great feeling of excitement, wonder, and achievement. I hope for Philip and Laura and Ethan that this would have been a mountaintop experience seeing Lucia baptised. Climbing to the top of a wild place is a great feeling. Being in a stadium when your team wins or a world record is broken is thrilling. Christians too have mountaintop experiences, situations alive with the promise and presence of God. Next one, please. We're called to consider the mountaintop experiences in our journey of faith, as well as the experience of simple words or touch in our lives today when we can glimpse God. But a glimpse is not the whole story. The disciples glimpsed God's glory on a mountain. Peter wanted to stay, but it wasn't the whole story. There was so much more to see to learn and to understand and do. We may be inspired by what we experience as part of a church, but it isn't the whole story. There's so much more. The transfiguration encourages us to acknowledge these, but it also urges us to consider the what happens next question. How do we take the intensity of the moment into the everyday? Next one, please. Every moment is a unique place where we've never been. The familiar becomes the unfamiliar, leading us to trust him on this journey called life. Worship can make us alive to God, 
But at the end, we're commanded to go into the world, to be witnesses to Christ's story and his transforming love. We're witnesses to Jesus today and his transforming power in our lives. We're called to share our story with others of our personal encounter with God. You are that living embodiment of God's love in this world. No one will know about God unless they meet God in you and then experience that love for themselves. The Holy Spirit guides and prompts as to when, where and with whom. We don't go alone. Consider, do you need to take time out to metaphorically go up the mountain to be with Jesus? To spend time with him basking in his glory, light and immense love for you? Perhaps you feel fearful. Do you need to feel his touch and comfort saying, don't be afraid? Perhaps you're at the top of the mountain and need to think about coming down. How are you going to experience, how are you going to share that experience to help others with their own journey of faith? And are we all prepared for the listening and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the guiding in our everyday life? As we each share our own glimpses of God, we all gain a further glimpse of the mystery of God's unconditional love and grace for each and every one of us. Amen. Now there's a prayer, and if you feel able to, please join in it together as we say, God of my life's journey, of the ups and downs, of the highs and lows, when my footsteps take me to the mountain tops. May I immerse myself in your mystery and turn my face towards your glory so that when the valley calls and my world goes dark, may I be enabled to dig deep and call upon the richness of that encounter and stay strong even through doubt and fear and aching. Amen. We're going to remain seated as we sing the... um, the song Majesty.
to our prayers for others. And when I say, may they know your affirming presence, please respond and glimpse your glory. Let us pray. Gracious God, we pray for those countries whose governments have put them in positions they don't want to be in. We pray for those whose lives are blighted by war, famine and natural disasters. We pray especially for all those affected by the flooding. We pray for those who no longer have homes, citizenship, status or a sense of belonging. May they know your affirming presence and glimpse your glory. We pray for those whose lives have taken them to places of regret. We pray for those whose disappointments have taken them to places of despair. And we pray for those whose experiences of betrayal have taken them to places of loneliness. May they know your affirming presence. We pray for those whose lives are filled with pain, sickness, disability, or total dependence on others. We pray for those weighed down by grief. We think of all those affected by the coronavirus. We pray for ourselves where experiences have left, left us sad and demoralised. May they know your affirming presence. And we pray for those known to us now from our prayer book. We pray for Roy Entwistle in Royal Preston and also for Sandra, his wife. We pray for Russ Waring, for Jack Wilde, for Ken and Leslie, for Aurora, Val's great-granddaughter, who's not well at this time, for Kath Cox's mother, Violet, in the Royal Preston Hospital. We pray for the family and friends of Lucia, who've been baptised this morning. And we pray for the team in Sierra Leone, and especially for Judith, as they travel back this week. We pray to the one who brings hope in all situations and to all people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We bring all our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who protest against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn, I'm told, is another new one. Um, so Ron's going to play the tune through once, and then we will join in. Jesus on the Mountain Peak.
one. That wasn't bad at all. Uh, please do join us for refreshments after the service, and don't forget there will be an opportunity to take photographs. Our sending out prayer. May you glimpse the glory of God as you journey through this week. May you experience the mystery of God as you live out your faith this week. And may you know the blessing of God as you fulfill your responsibilities this week. And may you believe that you are loved by God at all times this week. Amen. And we bless one another with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.